Hi, everybody. Um, we're going to be trying something a little bit different today. Um, in the church survey, a good number of you said you'd like a little bit more space for reflection and for prayer and an opportunity to share how God is moving in your life. So we're going to try and do that today. So I'm going to try and keep my, my preach a little shorter. Then we're going to go into communion, and then we're going to have a time of extended worship. So I'll try and keep this quite short. Jules, could we have the next slide? And the next. And finish on that, this one. Thank you. Do we know about the story of Jesus Christ in the Garden of Gethsemane? It's an incredible story. And the topic and title I was given by Ed and Alicia for this particular preach was Jesus the Humble. Jesus the Humble. And as I looked into the life of Jesus Christ, as I looked into Gethsemane, I really do believe that this prayer in particular that he gives in this passage is the key to humility and it's the key to a productive and fruitful life in Jesus Christ. So the context is this. For those who are perhaps hearing about Jesus for the first time, Jesus knew his life was headed to the cross, to crucifixion, to the point where he would bear in his body the sins of the world. He knew he was going to be crushed. He knew he was going to be marred beyond human recognition. He knew that a sword was going to pierce straight through his heart. He knew everybody would forsake him. He knew he would be lashed and bruised and broken. And more than that, he knew that when he was lifted up on the cross, as he bore the sins of you and of me and of the entire world, he would feel loneliness, perhaps unimaginable loneliness, as he paid the penalty for us. So here he is in Gethsemane. Now, does anybody know what Gethsemane means? Anybody? You need to be on Who Wants to Be a Millionaire, you. It's the garrets again. It is. It means the olive press. And it's a deeply symbolic place because what would happen is the olive harvest would come, it would be taken, and it would literally be crushed between two huge stones and ground down in order to release three things. It's light-giving oil. It's life-giving oil. And it's healing oil. So this is where Jesus came. He came to the place where he sensed the weight of what was about to happen. And just, you know, it's hard not to get emotional when we hear these particular words. We, we read this going a little further. He fell to the ground. It says he was at the, almost at the point of death and prayed, Father, if it is possible, let this hour pass from me. And these are his words, Abba. And Abba is this beautiful Aramaic term. It's almost like Papa. Father, Father, Father. Everything is possible for you. So please, take this cup from me. Do we know how many times he prayed that in the garden? It was three times. And as we found out last week, three is the symbol for completeness, for fullness. 
So the whole image here is Jesus came to his father and prayed as much and as possibly as he could. Father, everything is possible for you. Take this cup from me. And what happened? Did Jesus get what he asked for? On a simple reading of the text, what we find is that God looked at his beloved son and said to him, my son, this is the only way. If we want to love these people to the uttermost, if you want to deal with the sins of the world, this is the only way. So a man at the very edge of himself, after engaging with God, truly did pick up his cross and follow him all the way to Golgotha. Go with the next slide, Jules. This is the kind of outline. So I believe here in the Garden of Gethsemane and in this particular prayer, we have the pattern, the model for what it means to live, hum become humble, live humbly before God and make a difference in the world. So the first thing, in this time of extreme torment, Christ comes before his Father in prayer. And what's interesting about this prayer, it's not just words. It's not just words. Now, I was taught when I was growing up, has anybody heard of the, the, the theme acts for how you do prayer? Adoration, confession, thanksgiving, and supplication. I'm not knocking this at all. But very often it can go like this, can't it? Dear Lord, we thank you that you are wonderful. The, you're the best. You really are good. The best of the best. And we adore you for that. And, um, you know, we thank you that you like to give people good gifts, lots of good gifts. And that's the thanksgiving bit. And then we quickly come to our checklist. So please, Lord, you know that. And we list and list and list all the things that are going on in our lives that we genuinely need help with. Now, if we make that formulaic, it's just a formula, abracadabra, then we've missed the whole point of prayer. Because prayer, as we find here, is simply first and foremost this. It's engagement with God. That's what it is. It's more than words. It's coming before God to ultimately engage with him. We talk about prayer, that we want more prayer in our church. More sustained prayer. And I think the key is when we start to really feel that when we come down on our knees, we are what? engaging with him so Christ came and he engaged with God and if you look at the pattern of engagement with God from the old right through to Christ an interesting theme emerges the first one in the Old Testament engaging with God was actually a bit of a fearful thing people didn't want to do it they were scared about what would happen if they did do you remember Mount Sinai Children of Israel came, and there was the mountain. God decided to be there, and they said to Moses, we, we don't want to go up there. You know, there's thunder, lightning, smoke, fire. Because the idea was this. God is so great. God is so powerful. He's the creator of heaven and earth. Unlimited power. That is what God is like. And surely, if we come before something so great... In fact, Moses says in Exodus 33, or God said to Moses, 
you can come before me, Moses, but you cannot feel the direct weight of my presence. Do you know why? It will be way too much for you. So you can see my presence, but not the full presence because... Do you remember the series on holiness? Where we were given the image... God was like the sun, wasn't it? He's so holy, so powerful. We receive his warmth. But people appreciated something that I think we perhaps might miss out a little bit these days. God is not some kind of bumbling fool. He is the Lord of Lords. And this Old Testament idea is not too primitive. And I think we need to dwell upon it because if we come before the most powerful thing in the entire universe, what should that do to us? It should humble us. This is me. Speck. Who is this? God. Holds everything in his hands. I come before the King of Kings. We sang it so many times. Almighty God of love. We come before God Almighty. And not only should that then dethrone us, as we realize, God, you are so mighty and great, it should also then do something else. It should bring the rest of our lives into perspective. Here's my problems, and here is Almighty God. Here's all the forces of darkness in the world. Here's Almighty God. So when we come into his presence, realize that he is holy and mighty, we should find peace. Because nothing is too big for him. And with this almighty, unbelievably powerful God, all things all of a sudden become possible. So when it comes to prayer, on the one hand, we need to have the idea of almighty unbelievable God and then this is where Christianity gets very very different because rather than staying with the image of almighty God can't go near what actually happens this almighty God starts to draw us closely into a relationship of incredible intimacy and warmth and love this is the miracle that this God draws us so close that we can say to him, Father, Abba, Papa. And the whole idea of God bringing us into that relationship is that all of a sudden, we start to be transformed by that very same love. So here, Jesus in the garden he comes and he says, Father, I know that all things are possible for you. Why? Because you're almighty God. And then he pours himself out. And this is my contention here. As we go down, we need to have both Lord and Father in mind, to be humble and find peace and direction in this world. Because when we are drawn into a love relationship, 
all of a sudden, the most important thing is not necessarily our personal agenda. It's a relationship. When you look at prayer throughout the Bible, Psalms, Job, David, Christ, you find this incredible pattern. People start off in one place and end up in another. So the lament Psalms, Lord, don't you care what's happening to me? I'm broken, I'm bruised, I'm surrounded by enemies. Where are you? There can be prayers of anger. Lord, don't you care what people are saying about you? Don't you care what people are doing? Here comes the psalmist bearing his soul. But what happens as he starts to bear his soul, because it's engagement with God and not just our own particular words, they start to get drawn where? Into his presence. And as they start to get drawn into his presence, then they move deeper into his life of love. And then as they start to move deeper into his life of love, they start to move where? Into a completely different place. They can move from lament to praise. They can move from fear to hope. They can move from sadness to joy. Why? Because they have engaged with the King of Kings. have been drawn deeply into his presence and they start to be transformed by his radical love. And for me... That's the root of humility. We come before Almighty God, realizing he is king. We come with whomever we are, whatever we have on our hearts. I know my son Osh has just walked in. So could you shut your ears for a second, Osh? Is that okay? Because it was about, Osh, he was about five, I think. And we were around the breakfast table, and I said, Osh, let's pray. And he said, no thanks, Dad. I said, why is that, Osh? He said, uh, done it. Being there, done it. It doesn't work. So there's no point. So can we do something else? Can we just tuck into the bacon and egg? So I thought, well, what? I thought I'll find out why doesn't he want to pray anymore. So I pushed him, and he said, well, I prayed that we would end up living in a giant castle. And it simply hasn't happened. So... I bore my soul to the king of kings, no castle, pointless. <laughs> I get the logic. The first thing is, I want him to pray like that. Do you understand? I want him to come with who he is, where he's at, what he's feeling. Do you know why? It's not that we pray the right things before we meet him. It's that we come with who we are. If he wants x-ray vision, pray it. Yeah? I don't care. I want him to come and to engage with God as his heavenly father. And then what I want to happen is as he starts to engage with God as his heavenly father, he starts to get drawn into what? A conversation. Prayer is kind of dialogue. That's what we see. People come here and they end up over here because they've had a dialogue with the radical God of love. So that's what I want for him. For him to start to discern the Father's heart in all of this, so his prayer turns from castles to become for, be conformed more and more to the image of who? Jesus Christ himself. So come as you are, but come to engage. And when you come to engage, come to be changed. Because there's one thing I can guarantee when it comes to prayer is this. You will be changed. You will 
will be changed. Because how can you not come into the presence of Almighty God, commune before his face, experience his love, and not come out the other end, a different person? And this is exactly what we see in Christ's pattern of prayer. He comes right at the end of his life. He comes before his loving father. He engages in a conversation. But where does he get directed? To the most incredible, radical, self-sacrificial love you can imagine. The very cross itself. So the pattern of humility for me is this. Guys, in our hearts, when we come to pray, let's not focus too much on our wish list to start off with. Let's come to engage with Almighty God. Let him shape our perspective. We can relax. We can have peace. Why? He's on the throne. And then we start to be drawn into the Father heart of love, where we start to dialogue. And then allow him to change you with that radical grace and love that can even move us to pick up our own personal crosses and follow him. Just let me pray. Dear Father, as a person, and I'm sure as a church, our heart's desire is for more of you. Our heart's desire is to engage with the King of Kings. And I pray that we will learn to come as though before our very own Abba Father. I know you will accept us as if we come with whatever is on our hearts. But I pray that as we engage, we shall be drawn deeper and deeper and deeper into your love so that we are changed to become more like your son. Can I see the last scripture verse, please, Jules? This is Philippians. These are the words of Paul. And I think this sums it up. Brothers and sisters, do nothing, not a thing, out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Instead, out of humility, give preference to others. Now, he was talking here in a Roman culture. And you know when Paul, uh, Jesus says, you know the Gentiles, you know the Romans, they like to lord it over one another. Because in that culture, power meant total control and total power. If I was your boss, you would have to do exactly what I said. There's no room for maneuver. Do this, do that, jump here, go. Do, do not lord it over one another. But instead, out of humility, give preference to others. Everyone pursuing not selfish interests, but those of others. Indeed, make your own mind the mind of Christ Jesus, who, being in very nature, the King of kings and Lord of lords, the creator of the universe, did not count equality with God something to be grasped. But he emptied himself, taking the form of a slave, becoming as we are. 
and being in every way like we are, he was humbler yet, even to accepting death and death on a cross. My friends, we're coming to its communion where we remember Christ's body broken, where we remember his blood that was poured out for us. And as we do, I would encourage us to really seek out to engage with Almighty God, to be confronted with his love and to be transformed more into the image of his son. Helen.